be back in the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 4. Last time we were in the book of Romans chapter 4, we talked about uh, merit for salvation, and we talked about how can a just and holy God save sinners. And this week we're going to continue that discussion in chapter 4, and we'll talk about the blessedness of the one who is justified. And as you know, uh, I don't often remember to remind you of it, but the series that we in is, is uh, Will God Surprise in Missions? And what a surprising thing this is indeed that there is blessed, that we can be blessed because we're forgiven. We are blessed because we are forgiven. The blessedness of the forgiven one is the title of the message today. Uh, so let's begin reading in verse 6 of chapter 4. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessing then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For what say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness? How was it then reckoned? When he was circumcised or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though uh, they be not circumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your justification. Father, we thank you for the blessedness of justification. Father, we thank you that you've given us the faith and you've justified us for it. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you and honor you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, blessed. The blessedness is the forgiven one. Um, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth uh, righteousness without works. The blessing of the forgiven seems to be inherent. When you are forgiven, when you're saved, when you've come to Christ for salvation, 
you're blessed. You're greatly blessed because you are these things. That is a surprising thing. When you think about, when you think about how God saves a sinner, a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner, what a surprising thing that God did in his mission to redeem people. Uh, what could be a greater blessing than to be forgiven of all your sins and to be justified on top of that? It's one thing to be forgiven something, but it keeps on going and we're also justified. This is a surprising thing that a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner like me, a hater of God like me, can be forgiven and declared justified and simply by faith. It is a surprising thing that a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner like you, who was once a hater of God, But yet you're forgiven and you're justified. Who receives this blessing? Romans chapter or verse 9 there says, Cometh this blessing then upon the circumcision only or upon this uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Who's justified? Is it the ones that are circumcised or the ones that are not circumcised? Was it bestowed on just the circumcised only? Or was it bestowed on the uncircumcised also is what the two questions that Paul is raising here. The blessedness of Abraham was because he believed God. Let me say it a different way. Abraham received salvation through faith, through his faith. Abraham received his salvation because he believed God, not because he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Abraham was justified through believing God. How did he receive it? Verse 10, he says, how was it then reckoned? Was he uh, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. You see, Paul is driving home the point that salvation came to Abraham not because of something that he had accomplished, but because he believed God. Salvation did not come because he cut away some flesh. Salvation does not come because we're baptized, just to bring it to our day. Salvation, uh, some will say that I'm saved because I was baptized when I was younger. I've heard people say when I was a kid or when I was a baby, I was saved because I was baptized and they're trusting in baptism. We're not saved because we're baptized. We're not saved because we walk forward in a church meeting. 
We're not saved because we recited some, uh, repeated after someone a prayer. We're saved because we believe God. Salvation does not come because of any ritual act or initiation process, but by faith. That is believing God and repenting of our sinful life and understanding that I am and you are powerless to help ourselves. When, we, when God calls us and we answer that call for salvation, we realize that we are sinful and that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And what can a dead person do? He can't help himself. You're powerless. We were powerless to save ourselves. Why did Abraham receive circumcision then? Why did he? Verse 11, he said, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So when Abraham was circumcised, that was a seal. We would say today it's a stamp of approval. When I was in high school, I worked at a meat packing place and you could buy USDA stamped meat. Sometimes it was prime, sometimes it was choice, and sometimes it was good, or sometimes it was just canners and cutters. It was just too tough to eat. But it still had a stamp on it. It's a stamp of approval. And that's what the circumcision for Abraham was. It was a seal. It was a sign saying that he had trusted God. Abraham received a physical sign of a spiritual event. The physical sign was the cutting away of flesh. The spiritual event is described in another in many other physical ways in the Bible. That is sometimes it's described as a stony heart being removed and a and a new heart given us heart of flesh. Ezekiel eleven, nineteen and twenty says this I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. In verse 20, it says, the reason why he does that is that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about faith, coming to faith? Faith always leads to obedience. And that's what this act, this physical or spiritual act is, is that God gives a person a new heart, so to speak. And they now become obedient. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put it within you. 
I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, when that new life, that new heart becomes in you, you become obedient. It follows obedience. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says this, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. You see, that verse goes a little bit farther and says the same thing only in a little bit different way. He says he circumcises the heart. You know, he cuts away that bad part of the heart. You know, our brother Andy, he's in the hospital, and they, they cut away some bad parts in him. That's what coming to salvation is, is cutting out, cutting away, taking away a stony heart and giving you a, a heart of flesh. A heart that loves God and that is obedient. Look in the New Testament and it talks about the same thing only in a different way. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I, I heard a preacher a few weeks ago um, talking about um, the early life of Christ. We went through that, some of it, through right before Christmas. And but um, he told a story uh, when Jesus was in the temple when he was 12 years old, and he stayed. His family had came down there for the yearly sacrifice, and when they left uh, uh, to go back to their home, uh, the women always traveled together, and the men traveled together. And Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph, and Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary, and. After a couple days of traveling home, they realized that he wasn't with either one of them, so they had to turn around and go back. And they found Jesus in the temple. And they were marveling, the, the people, the leaders there, marveled at Jesus at his knowledge that he had. And I heard a preacher talking about that, and he said, it wasn't because Jesus had any great powers or he wasn't um, so smart because he was God, which he was, he was still God when he was 12. But the reason they marveled is because of a sinless life. He could truly love the Lord with all of his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul. Now, that was really impactful to me when I learned that. Because how would our life be if we could truly say that I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul? I don't even think I can do that for three or four seconds. Let alone my whole life for 12 years. 
I mean, there's sin so corrupts our heart, our pride is so infiltrated in our heart that God describes it as a stony heart. I mean, we can look at those bricks right there that are broken. And I can preach to them all day long and they'll not be able to do anything. They will not hear me. They will not be moved from where they are. That's why God has to give us a a new heart, a heart of flesh. Turn over to Colossians 3.10 and he says the same thing in a different way. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says this, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. When we come to faith in Christ, there's a new man. We are a new man. We're a new woman. We're a new boy. We're a new girl. When we get that heart of flesh. Galatians 6.15 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. The point is this. When you come to faith in Christ, you're a new person. You have a new nature. You have the ability not to sin. We don't have that ability before that. Pastor Eric's favorite verse over in chapter 2 of Galatians. Galatians describes it very well. He says, I am crucified with Christ. That is repentance and sin. Repentance of your sin. I am crucified with Christ. He goes on to say, nevertheless I live. That is faith. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is living by faith. It's not your faith. Notice what it said there. Notice it. Don't miss it, as my brother Eric would say. Don't miss this. Let me read that again, that last part. It says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not my faith, not your faith. It's Jesus' faith. We're living by that. It's the faith that Christ we get from God. Don't miss that. That faith that we have, that indwelling spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit changes us. When you come to faith in Christ, there should be some things that you can say 
but you no longer do. And you do some things that you didn't used to do. God changes your wanter. I heard someone say once, he changes your wanter. You don't want to do those things anymore. He changes those things. You are no longer the person you once were. You've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the power of the gospel working in you, you're changed. And obviously I've been talking to people that have been changed. But if you're here today, if you hear me today, if you're listening today, and this doesn't make sense to you, and you say, I'm living just like I did yesterday. And two years ago, I'm still the same person. Cry out to Jesus now. Do it now. Do it today. Do it before it's too late. The changed person that Abraham was, was because he believed God. And if you turn to, in repentance and faith to Christ today, if you turn to him now, you can be that new person. You can have that new life, changed life. It wasn't, Abraham wasn't changed because he was circumcised or uncircumcised. It was because he believed God. He was blessed because he believed God. And Christian today, you are blessed today because you believe God. And what is the purpose of this? What was the purpose of Abraham believing God. What was the purpose? He is, his blessing is that he is the father of all who believe. Abraham was blessed because he is the father of all who believe, whether they were circumcised or not. You know, that's how we can say, Father Abraham, if you're a Christian, you can say that today, that Abraham is your father, because if you believe, he was the first one that God called out and he believed God. And I don't know how to make that whole timeline work out, but that's what scripture says. He's the father of all who believed whether they're circumcised or not. And it goes on to say there in verse 11, um, that he might be the father, father of all that, them that believe, though they be circum, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. In verse 12, it says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, 
but who also walked in the steps that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Circumcision today is just a surgical procedure that's performed in a, in a uh, sterile environment. It's not like it was when Abraham, when the father did it or the priest did it. Today, you might say that I am saved because, and you can fill in the blank. If it's anything other than trusting in Christ as your Savior and repenting of your sin, you're not saved today. If you fill in that blank and it says, I'm saved because I was baptized, you're not saved. If you say, I'm saved today because I recited a prayer You're not saved. It's not that that saves you is believing God and turning in repentance and faith. There's many things we can say. You can put in that blank. You can say, I'm saved because I'm a good person. I'm saved because I've never killed anyone. I'm saved because I've never committed adultery. I'm saved because whatever if it's anything other than repentance and faith in Christ you're not saved and I beg you today I employ you today don't let this opportunity pass without turning in repentance and faith to Christ do it now do it today do it before it's too late so let's stand and we'll pray and we'll get ready to sing our last song. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you that you're a God who saves, you're mighty to save. And all that come to you in repentance and faith, you won't turn them away. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we ask that you do that work in people's heart across this world. Everywhere your word is preached today, we ask that you'd save many people. We ask that you'd just save one for your glory and for your honor. And for Jesus' sake, amen. So please remain standing for our last song. Let's sing the gospel together in the gospel song.